say that reading email carefully is important no matter how much email you get <laughs> so i apologize for not having a show last week we had a little miscommunication we, we both showed up just <laughs> we just like showed up at the same place apart. at the same time <laughs> but we're back and we're here and we uh first week of school is in the books yay 39 to go that's anybody's counting. <laughs> <laughs> Except Sean, apparently. <laughs> it was easy to count. I, I can I can go down by ones. You ask me to go backwards by sevens, and I get knocked out by the anesthesiologist really quick. So, so, um, so, you know, a little sleep deprivation going on. <laughs> Um, as I've, you know, continually tweak schedules based on who shows up and who doesn't and where, but I didn't have my nightmare. This is my every year nightmare. My nightmare is that I'm going to schedule two teachers in the same room at the same time, or like schedule one teacher to be two different places at the same time. And apparently I didn't do that. So that's good. I take it as a bonus. My, my my biggest fear is 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 showing up in front of my classroom and, and and still wearing my pajamas and then I wake up and everything gets better. Everything gets better. Everything gets better. Uh, so I thought we'd start out this week with a couple of things that mom would never say. Okay, mom would never say. Got it. How on earth can you see the TV sitting back so far? You're right. Mom would You're never right. say that. Yeah, I used to skip school a lot too. <laughs> Uh, well, my mom was a teacher, and she would never have let on if she did that. Um, just leave all the lights on. It makes the house look cheery. <laughs> uh, I, I like this one. Let me smell that shirt. Yeah, it's good for another week. <laughs> well, if Timmy's mom says it's okay, that's good enough for me. <laughs> The curfew is just a general time to shoot for. It's not like I'm running a prison around here. <laughs> oh, and uh, finally, let's throw in, um, don't bother wearing a jacket. The wind chill is bound to improve. <laughs> you can start seeing that one in January, maybe, or uh, March. <laughs> yeah. So we've got a... We've got we've got a show for you. I don't know if we've got a good show or not yet, but we've got a show. It hasn't been fabricated yet. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. I always like when you know, like uh, Conan O'Brien or whoever. They always start out with, "We got a good show for you tonight." Just once, I want to hear him come on and go. The show tonight. Eh. <laughs> Your guys really should have come yesterday. Yesterday, good show. Today. Yeah. Eh. Part of me always says. How do you know it's a good? How how can you know it's a good show yet? So, how will we start with uh, some Twitterverse stuff? Absolutely. All right. Um, first day back. A lot of posts about the uh, first year, first year, the first first days of school, first week of school. Uh, John Mikulski, Mikulski, um, talks about the best part of another school year is getting new shoes, which I thought mm-hmm. was an interesting post because I know when I was a kid, I would get the leather shoes and they would you know hurt my feet and. 
my mom would say things like, well, when you get, you know, wear out those, I'll get you the pair you want. And I would do everything I could to scuff them and, you know, wear out the leather. And, of course, they were leather, which meant they did last <laughs> much longer than I had motivation to destroy them. But you did get them broken in pretty quickly that way, yeah, probably. that's true. <laughs> Made running around the playground a lot easier. Um, oh, and, and by the way, if you sneak over to Facebook um, on the um, – uh, Michigan, the MAMSI, the Michigan Association of Middle School Educators um, fan page or, or page. They're also asking for, looking for uh, favorite things for the first day of the of the school year. And so, and I should tell, I should tell John about that. But uh, let's see. Uh, I posted this back uh, a while ago, but uh, if you're looking for an ASUS netbook, Woot.com had, had an excellent deal at $149.99. You might want to check that out and see if there's any left over. I got a sneaking suspicion they aren't, but... It's in our show notes, and I thought I'd better explain it. And they, reg- uh, but they also just for for our listeners, they also regularly have those. Oh, do they? Yeah, those come up regularly, either there or in some other places that are um, that are the deal kind of sites as well. But they just about, they regularly have them. Uh, a couple of days ago, Dell brought back the Mini Nine for two day special. Oh, really? Uh, so yeah, if you keep if those of you are interested in making a Hackintosh, not that we're encouraging that. <laughs> Uh, but those of you interested in making a Hackintosh, uh, you can um, pick up a, a Dell Mini 9 sometimes just by keeping your, your eyes posted, eyes peeled, ears posted, something like that. And uh, as I understand it, only one of us has done that so far. Yeah, well, you know, but the other guy just might do it just for fun. Of course, may not because I happen to know that school started and, and fun is no longer <laughs> fun is no longer on the menu <laughs> <laughs> or, or time time to do other things yeah that's, I, that's actually the issue I, I i got it originally thinking oh this would be my that my project you know the whole sharpen the saw thing you know where you, you mm-hmm. take a break away from what you're doing and you focus on something else so you can come back to what you're doing refreshed and renewed mm-hmm. and i even had to put that off for another i, I was going to do that over easter break and then things got busy and i put it off till summer break and that's when i finally broke down and did it but it was fun it didn't take nearly as long as i thought it would it wasn't nearly as hard or as uh difficult or as challenging as i thought it would and so now i had to spend some time looking for other things to <laughs> get challenged by but it, it, it's and by the way you said sharpen the saw and that's a reference mm-hmm. to seven habits of highly effective people mm-hmm. and there's also a middle school component they do have a middle school project um mm-hmm. And it's it's actually it's pretty good, but you do need training on it. I think to really do this well, you need training. Um, we bought the we bought some of the books last year, the student workbooks, because they have the Seven Habits for Highly Effective Teens. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought it was really good, but I think the teachers really needed a lot more training on it than we did. We I did it kind of as a uh, you know let's float this up and see how this works kind of thing. And some of them really liked it, and some of them didn't touch it at all, and 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 all that. And that's and and that was that was you know kind of okay, but um, I think that I'd like to do some training with it because I think that getting the kids, getting kids to really focus in on that and understand that, I think that's big. I think that's one of the things that a lot of our kids are missing are some of those um, skills, those common sense skills in one mm-hmm. hand, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That we, kids just don't have. We had training from a fellow in our area, and, and if it's okay to drop a name, I'll drop a name, 
uh, a gentleman by the name of Larry Castle did it in his own time, didn't, you know, do it extra, you know, it wasn't being paid to do it, came in, did the training for the seven habits, did an excellent job. We only used it a couple of years because the uh, uh, principal decided not to spend the money in that area, but spend it somewhere else. Right. And we were doing an advisory, I mm-hmm. think, you know, like you mentioned. That's what I did too. We passed the books along from year to year with the kids and they would go through them and reevaluate and look at the answers that they put in there in sixth grade. Look at it again, seventh grade, look at it in eighth grade. And it, it was kind of neat. We only did it for a couple of years, but um, I thought it was pretty effective. The teachers thought it was effective. They came the next year and said, you know, get the books, get the books. We want to do it again. We want to do it again. So It's not cheap. No, and The books are not cheap. Right? Right. And that's one of the reasons why we had to stop doing it was the, the cost. The cost. It's not cheap, but it, I think if it's done and done right, I think it could be very, very, um, very, very effective. And right now they kind of have the same curriculum for 6th through 8th grade. But I think next year, because mm-hmm. they're piloting different curriculum for 6th, 7th, and 8th grade. Because that was one of the concerns of the teachers is that we had the same curriculum year after year after year. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are working on piloting things where they're really focusing in on things in 6th grade, 7th grade, and 8th grade. So that it would be a progression in... Um, I think that would be really cool as well. While we're down this rat hole, uh, you might also <laughs> want to consider the, uh, the National Middle School Association has a goal-setting curriculum, which which could uh, tie into this um, seven habits uh, type of thing. It's not nearly as lengthy as the seven habits curriculum is. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be done well within the 10-week period. Of course, ideally, you want to do it during the first quarter so that the kids have some planning skills and you have a chance to go back and revisit and replan and and reuse sections of that curriculum in your third, fourth, your second, third, and fourth quarters as well. Um, and I've used that one with my eighth graders when I had uh, eighth grade advisory, and it turned out pretty well. The, the whole key, though, is once you get through it, is to go back and revisit the goals, check and see where you were, and yeah. set new ones. Because if you don't do that part, well, then it's you've wasted six weeks. Well, and the, um, that's true with a lot of things, and that's true with with um, advisory. And one of the things I think that happens is that sometimes people make advisory a lot more difficult than it really is because they think that it has to be something that's just grand and glorious and the, the heavens shine from above. And really, advisory is about making those connections with kids. Um, and if you think back to the interview with um, Jeff LaRue, Mm-hmm. You know, he was talking about lots of ways to make those connections. But the the basis of this is is making those connections and just thinking it through. What do kids need? What do kids need at, in advisory? And, and something like goal setting is something that you can continue to review and review and review. You know, go back to how are we doing on this and reflect with the kids. And um, I think if people really check that out and go from go with that, it would be... Absolutely wonderful. See, the kids told me to stop doing that because the the, the sound of the uh, angel choir they, they found that kind of oh. every time it interrupted. Yeah, you know <laughs> the bright light they didn't mind so much, but the and the bright light was okay. <laughs> <laughs> that bright light would be way, way too early in the morning for them. Anyway. <laughs> uh, let's see. <laughs> oh, look, light at the end of the tunnel. We're out of the rat hole. <laughs> I wonder uh, how much money we now have to send to Leo Laporte for using the word rat hole. <laughs> I, wonder if he, I wonder if he has uh, trademarked that 
Yeah, don't tell them if you. As long as we don't play the music, I think we're okay. <laughs> Mouse hole. How's that? Um, anyway. Um, Oh, let's see. Oh, Russell Tire posted a link to seven most impressive libraries through history. Uh, of course, you get your, you know, Seven Wonders of the Ancient World, the Library of Alexandria, that sort of thing. But there's some other ones there. Check those out, especially if you've got some verbal linguistic kids who are really interested in that sort of thing. Uh, let's see. Um, oh, uh, Annie Marie Moore has a uh, indigenous culture uh, site up um, that her kids have put together. They're looking for some feedback and some comments. We have a link in the show notes, so take a look at it, examine it, and then give some feedback. And uh, it gives that immediacy and that relevancy to the, uh, the students that uh, have done the work. And that, of course, always enhances the curriculum. Uh, there's an article by, well, not by, but found by R.R. R. Murray called Teaching Naked at the 7th Grade Level. And it, it works, and it's great. End class one day with video to discuss the next day. So I, I took a look at the, uh, at the article, and it doesn't involve the removal of clothing in any fashion. It's uh, from a, a website called Intended Consequences. And in the article, they talk about uh, professors and teachers sending the PowerPoints and the lecture on podcast or on, a, on an iPod, and the kids are required to listen to it and view it at home or in their dorm or car, wherever that would be. And then when they get to class, it's then it's discussion and interaction because they've already done the, the reading and they've already, well, theoretically, the reading and the listening and the viewing. So rather than death by PowerPoint, they're coming to discuss and exchange ideas and to analyze specific uh, areas of the content. Uh, the, teacher, the teachers the teachers love it. The students don't like it because it requires them to think <laughs> rather than to just sit and get which I thought was an interesting way. You're incorporating technology, but it's not going to be, look at this slide, and as I talk about this slide, you will slowly slide out of your chair. Um, it might alleviate some of the death by PowerPoint things we hear. Mm-hmm. Not just students, but teachers and everybody talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't people know. like to talk about it, but then they do it. Right, and, <laughs> and, which is ironic. And teachers are, are the biggest you know, complainers about it because we know what we should do, and we have to suffer through it, but then by the same token, we turn around. And that was the other thing about the students. The students said, we'd rather sit there and just write and be talked to rather than interacting and exchanging with, which I thought was well, kind of And part of it is probably that's what they're used to. I mean, that's their frame of reference. That's what the way the game is played. Uh, let's see. Um, you had a couple of Oh, here. the next one was me. Yeah. <laughs> um, Angela Myers has some some good stuff, and she posted one, um, a site for royalty-free sound effects, and um, and there's some some stuff I thought that was interesting in there. That, you know, sometimes adding some of uh, those those uh, sound effects, music, and things in there can um, can really you know. Sp- Spice up, spice up things, and um, so what is it? Soundgle, and you just type in what kind of sound effect that you're looking for, and um, so like I typed in glass, and you get I got 53 results for glass, and it shows you like 10 at a time, and most of them are glass breaking, and they're just short, um, kind of glass breaking sounds and you can download them and they're free and uh, I just thought that was you know sometimes people are looking for 
that little extra oomph for people that are doing multimedia presentations. I saw a uh, middle schooler in the uh, bookstore the other day who had found a book with, with sound effects. This is what made me think of this. And it was a it was a fart book. You press the button on the fart book, and she was a middle schooler. And, uh, and you get the wide variety of fart sounds. So I walked down the other aisle and popped around the corner right after one and went, ah, oh, I feel better. <laughs> her, her mom didn't appreciate that. <laughs> um, she's also posted a link to... Uh, mobile Maven, Ooh. 100 mobile tools for teachers, which I thought was interesting that somebody was pulling up 100 tools. Now, some of them are pretty straightforward and pretty well-known. Um, Google's image search, you know, which is a way to look for specific images. If people, a lot of people just use Google itself, but not knowing that Google also has an image search, which helps you search for um specific images instead of websites. Um, you know, Google Scholar, Google Patent Search, um, TeacherTube is on there. Um, and they're in, they're in different sections as well. And some of them I thought were kind of creating creative. There's a couple that I don't really know about and uh, need to check out. One is called BookGoo, which is, uh, it says, is similar to Scribed, which is a document sharing um, that we've talked about, and we talked about another one too that does something similar, and have to think about it. But where you can embed the uh, it, so it looks like a book. But Bookgoo has enhanced ability to allow teachers to edit and correct the uploaded um, documents. So you know, there's some some interesting things there. They have Edmodo on there. There's organizational tools. There's a lot of Google stuff, by the way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, Google Calendar, which is where I'm running my, um, um, I've done a Google Calendar that I embed into our web website, mm -hmm. so that I can, I can do, I can make changes to it. I have um, a couple of my secretaries are on Google as well, so they could potentially make changes on it. Um, just teaching them new ways of doing things because mm. they also have twenty thousand things to do. So. Um, but yeah, Google but Desktop, Google Notebook, <laughs> Google who Reader. Him, who gives them those things to do, though, is the question. And yeah, could, be, he, could he do anything me. different to make their lives easier? <laughs> it would be me. And, and what are their names so I can score points with your secretary? Oh, yeah. Um, there are also sharing tools. And they talk about Evernote, Google Docs, Drop.io, um, and a few more that I don't know about. Um, so I'm going to be looking through some of these. Um, and maybe we'll use some of these on the on upcoming shows. But there's just I thought it was interesting that they had you know a hundred of them. They have test making and grading tools, miscellaneous teaching and lesson planning tools, um, and then the other ones we had was was the research tools, uh, tools for communicating with parents, students, and parents, uh, and organizational tools. And uh, it's just a good place, I think, for people to go if they're looking for something in particular, if they just want to play. So that was one Twitter post that you could spend <laughs> the, next, the next three weeks looking through. So that was my, it was, uh, my 
my Twitter, um, what my Twitter recommendations, my Twitter submissions for this week. Yeah, well, I can't wait to hear what you say on, uh, on the show because I'm gonna listen to the podcast over on iTunes while I finish. Look- let you just talk while I finish looking at this at this website. <laughs> There's some new stuff over here. Time for Kids, Clever Sheep, uh, Simply Box, Education World, Wi-Fi. Uh, oh, helps you find and connect Wi-Fi from anywhere in the world. Yep. Free. Oh, plagiarism detect. <laughs> so, so there is some good stuff there. And if people would like to check out some of that and respond to it, <laughs> how would they contact us to let us know? This is his way of redirecting my attention. They should go to middleschoolmatters.com because that's where this, these show notes are going to be posted. And you should email Troy at middleschooleducators at gmail.com. And uh, you can find us on iTunes. And you can also talk to us at MS Matters on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And we're on Facebook. You can find us there. Um, can I just say that setting up a fan page is way more <laughs> difficult and confusing than it should be? <laughs> I agree. And I also noticed that uh, Facebook has done some interface changes, particularly with, like, the iPhone. And um, I think they've done a couple on the uh, – well, they're, they're older, I guess, not really so much recent, but on the on the website as well. And I, I think I kind of like the old version a little better. Now, mind you, the one on the iPhone, I like a little better. But there's still some things about it I find clunky and – a little harder to do, but by and large, I think there's more uh, a more user interface friendly. That's, no, that's not right. I think it's easier to access some stuff. By the same token, I still think it's hard to access access some stuff on the Facebook uh, app for iPhone. And I I went fishing for a couple of weeks for two and a half weeks, and I had I had bandwidth, but you know what? It just became a hassle to for with everything I was doing to sit down and just tap out everything I wanted to do and, and mm-hmm. make those contacts on the on things I was doing. And you know, I shouldn't say it was a hassle. It just it became one more thing to do. And because it was that one more thing to do, instead of, was, instead of the habit that I had been in posting to my PLN, it didn't get done. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm restarting my uh, my efforts here and, and working on BBC, AAA math. <laughs> well, Sean, we back with us. And, you know, you gave us a nice little segue into one of the news segments, but you still have a couple more Twitterverse <laughs> points to go. So why don't you finish up your Twitterverse points? Show notes are more like uh, suggestions. <laughs> Guidelines. Yeah. Yeah. Guidelines, yeah. And they are actual rules. <laughs> Well, and thank God for that, if anybody ever saw the way our show notes look as we go through these things. Uh, let's see. Uh, Garden Glenn, a science teacher out there in Utah. Uh, intriguing idea why to not teach fractions from Penn State, 60-second lectures. Uh, I thought that was interesting. I've started looking at it here before the show and didn't get a chance to finish it. So I invite you to look at it and then comment on the show notes and the at the website. Tell me what you think about that idea about not teaching fractions. Uh, it's a 60-second lecture, lecture from Penn State. Okay, uh, I'm going now. Room, you're going now? Oh, well, the good news is with okay, that It's going to start iTunes. It's going to start iTunes. Whoopsie. Uh, Dean Groom, uh, smart learners, he has a quote, smart learners will find teachers who speak their own language. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that was a pretty good, uh, pretty good quote. Cause sometimes we worry about, um, getting the student meshed with the right teacher and, and you know what? 
a lot of them will go and find. I mean, they may have your class, but if they've made a connection, I think, and that's one of the things about advisory too, is building those connections. They'll go to them as well and, and, and seek out help. They'll they'll find right. more than just the one teacher sometimes to to go get help. Now there's some that who yes are they're going to be they're going to be lost, but you will have those that the smart learners will find teachers who speak their own language. I think that's cool. And I think that's one of the things we need to teach kids to do a better job of too. Is to that we need to teach kids that it's okay to find people, find teachers, find adults that you can get something from, that you mm-hmm. can that you match up with, that you can get good advice from, that you feel comfortable talking to. And I think that's a huge part of middle school. I mean, ideally, that's the advisory person, advisory um, person. But you know, when we're scheduling, we can't necessarily get everybody tuned into the right place. We just don't know enough about everybody and all that. So, and you don't know. Sometimes you don't know who's going to click with whom. So, right. And and well, they they get not only do they have pre- preconceived notions, but they know themselves better than. Than, mm-hmm. than we do oftentimes, and they'll go and find. And and, and Jeff LaRue um, encourages kids to select their advisor teachers, advisory teachers, and I think that's interesting too. Yeah, he's, he's, I've, I've been to his presentation on advisory, and, and there's some neat things that they do in uh, his buildings because, I, you know, the other ones as well that he's been in um, to do that self-selection and do that mm-hmm. maintaining an interest in also make the connection with, with, with teachers. Very cool stuff. I'll let you talk about that, but I'm, I jump in. This is what I do. I jump in and I interrupt Troy. It's, no, it's okay. That's why we have a podcast, and that's because uh, you probably remember it better than I do. I remember him. Oh, remember well, all the kids were – the kids selected four teachers, and he said it led to really positive discussions among the teachers because it was like, you know, kids are selecting, which – which room they're going to go into and, you know, what happens if you have a teacher that nobody picks? Why? And, you know, what does it, what does that say? And he said that generally it shakes out so that they're pretty equal, but he did say it led to some pretty good discussions and some different focus on, you know, what should be advisory and how should be advisory. The, uh, one of the things that they do in his building, and this is another sparkly moment, um, is they'll do an entire building-wide problem-solving day. They, well, they did. They've, they've done it twice a year, once each semester, and where the kids rotate through the entire building, and they spend just a certain amount of time in each room working on a problem-solving strategy or, or technique or activity, and then rotate to the next one, rotate to the next one, rotate to the next one. And that way they get a little experience with all the teachers, and it's not just one set of teachers or, or a teacher. Mm-hmm. And then that also means that they're going to connect with a teacher throughout that day and, and grasp one of those concepts that they're teaching as a building. Plus, it's not just your team or your grade. It's the, the entire building. So they, they see other teachers before they get to that grade. Then they have some idea about what to select. Or they've done lists where they've posted, uh, uh, these are the activities we're going to do on our team. These are the teachers that are going to teach these particular activities uh, during advisory. Go sign up. And they have a up to what 30 or something blanks on the on the page and the kids go sign up and then then they get to select what topic they want to explore or discover in, in advisory too i thought that was pretty creative as well he does a lot of really awesome things we have a jeff grew day one day that's what we should do yeah actually i'd like to bring him into our district and have him talk about it i mean, it's a good idea to write that one down 
Now I have to launch OmniFocus. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll be working on post this week. <laughs> okay. Putting in sound effects. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. Um, you know, one of the, th- the the next one is this is uh, we're gonna move on to some web spotlights. Ooh. And this is a site that I actually wish worked a little better than it does, but the idea I think is absolutely intriguing. And this, this website is called To Read Next. And one of the issues that I know was going on is that, um, you know, my kids, as we we were going through, they were looking for things to read, and it was uh, okay. Well, if they read this, what would what should they read next? And and as they would read a book, it was like, all right, so what what can come next? And the idea behind this is that you go you can go to the website. And you just punch in a book that you're reading that you like, and then it gives you suggestions of other books that are similar, advanced, or, you know, kind of along the same theme. So something that you would like next. Um, And it's – I love the idea. Um, Unfortunately, um, I I put in a couple of books. Like I put in a book that I just read, The Elegant Universe, which is uh, probably not a book that a kid is going to read, but, you know. Um, and I got lots of different versions of the elegant universe. It wasn't until I got to like the second or third page where I really got some things that were different and were related to that topic and were useful. So then I went and put in Harry Potter and the Harry Potter again, you get a couple pages of, uh, of Harry Potter in different books um, you know, book one, this is sets and all of that, but then you do get some additional, uh, some additional books that you could use. So love the idea. Um, would like to see some people use it a little more and see if it pans out as far as, uh, finding new books, which I think is always good. Yeah. Can you put authors in there? You, it says book yeah. author. Okay. I'm going to put yeah. in my... My my most recent favorite author T R O Y space P A. Yeah, you're funny. There actually is an author. There, Troy Patterson is actually an author. He's a famous writer from Slate Magazine, New York. Um, he writes lots of stuff. It's one of those reasons that if you do a vanity search, if I do a vanity search, you won't find me. <laughs> Purloin letter hiding Which, on the internet by being everybody. Guess what? Even he's not in here. Oh, well. Uh, let's try this. So, yeah, we're going we're gonna to go on to the next one. Yeah. They, they do find me, though, because one of the did, teachers came to me they? and said, you know, they made that picture of you sitting there, their back, background on the computer. I said, no, that's fine. Just tell them that it's, it's wonderful how much they love, how much you love Mr. Patterson. Because that's what I tell them when they see me. I said, you know, thank you. That means you love me so much. And that's not the reaction that they're looking for, obviously. And they, they kind of look at me. I said, well, you took your valuable time. You searched for me. You found a picture. You lovingly put me as a background. You must really care about me. <laughs> and off they, <laughs> off they go. It's like, oh, I don't care. <laughs> It goes with being part of the job. Okay, here's one that I thought was interesting. I don't know if you had a chance to look at this or not. This is middle school do's and don'ts. Mm. Um, 
and this one, I don't agree with all of them. <laughs> I'll tell you right now. Um, these pointers are taken from a notebook of a 7th and 8th grade teacher and are reprinted here with her permission. Um, and it's from Teachers First. And most of them I absolutely agree with. But there's a couple that I don't. Um, it starts out with, do treat students like responsible young adults. 99% of them will rise to the occasion. Absolutely, absolutely believe that. Do tell them about yourself. Absolutely. I think you need to be careful what you say about right. yourself, but I think they need to know who you are, and I think they know, you know there needs to be that relationship. It doesn't mean that you tell them everything, but they need to know, you know the public persona that, 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 that is you. Uh, be consistent with your expectations and consequences. Have fun with them. Here's one that um, <laughs> I don't necessarily agree with. Don't give them your home number, but make sure the parents have it. I, I, not, I don't agree with that one. I don't think parents need your home number either. Um, I usually tell the students, I'm quoting from the website, I usually tell the students that I have caller ID and will know if they are calling up to tease and will give consequences as needed. Um, I think in the day of email, give them your public email, give them the, you know, and let the parents email you and all that good stuff. Um, do not reprimand a student in front of class. A quiet word in their ear or just quietly calling your name is, is okay. Establish quickly that your room is a safe place and can be fun, but this, that disrespect of learning, others or property will not be allowed, and there won't be any more warnings. Um, you know. I don't know about that. There's, there is a time when, you know, if, if, they're, if they're calling you out in front of the class, there's a time to step up and, and, and take it back to them. And let them know there's a teacher in there, you know, where the authority figure is. Now, I'm not saying you do it every single time. I right. understand what, where they're going with that. But mm -hmm. I also think there are times where you you set the tone by saying, Sean. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking around. Oh, oh man. I didn't mean it. <laughs> um. So, but there are some, I thought there were some good tips here. I thought it's a good, a really good um, discussion um, starter as well. You know, like, uh, uh, let's just say that I think that like at a staff meeting, somebody may uh, pull these out and say, okay, so um, are these good expectations and let them um, add, subtract, have discussion with it. So... So you can check that out. There's there's uh, quite a few there. It's not the end all be all, but it is a good uh, it's a good starting point. I can just, I can just see the referral now. Student called me on my home phone number. Please give them two days of in school. Yeah, I'm <laughs> wondering how the curious the curious how the consequences thing pans out. But yeah, I agree. It would be very interesting. It's that's, that's the one that really kind of jumped out at me. It's like yeah, I don't think any I don't think parents I need to have that. your home phone number in the day of email. Just let them email you, and you can check your email as often or as, as you want. And, and you like know, with, with so many of the district uh, phone books, you know, teacher phone books, administrator, mm -hmm. Vegas phone books, so many of those floating around the district, most of your parents have got your phone number anyway. Yeah, we don't. Our district no longer does that, really. We've kind of gotten away from the from that. Basically, now it just lists it lists everybody in what school you work at. Hmm. So there's no longer the home phone number kind of thing. Is the expectation that they'll use the email then to contact? 
well, on that the, list. That the is. issue was that there was – it was a service for teachers. It was supposed to be a service for teachers, and it really became that all that information was getting out in too many places and too many people were using it inappropriately. So they just stopped. And hmm. now it's like, well – this is the school. We'll, we'll we'll provide a listing of which schools people work at. So if you want to contact them, and you know people have been transferred or whatever, you can contact the school that they work at, and then, you know, if they know who you are, you can get numbers or whatever from there. But so that's been a few years now that we've done that. Cool. Um, and oh, how about we'll throw in one more? This is a free technology for teachers, which is a nice a uh, nice little blog. Um, and it's free tech, the number four teachers.com. And the link that we're going to provide today is a specific posting from August 20th, which has three planners and organizational tools. Um, and I thought some people might want to share this with their kids and let their kids check them out and see if there's some things that, um, that are helpful for the kids and useful for the kids and moving them into the technology phase as well um, in ways of getting organized. Um, And I have to say, I've not used any of these. Um, You know, I have my own methodologies, um, but you might want to check them out. So um, there's a link right there in the show notes that you can check out and see what's going on. And then one more that that we found, which is the National Library of Virtual Manipulatives. And one of the reasons it will never, will probably never do Ustream is because we never start on time. <laughs> and, and this was part of the pre-show because we found this one and we were playing around with it. And it's really kind of neat. It, it, it leads to a grid and it's math-based and it has different strands. And um, there is, they sell a desktop version, but the web version is free. And um, so we were playing with uh, one where you had to you give these interlocking circles, mm-hmm. and you had to get all of the circles to add up to three, and you had a set number. You know there was some numbers already filled in, um, and then you had to drag in some numbers to get each circle to go to three, and uh, we were playing around with it. Let's <laughs> just say we spent a little more time than we probably should have playing around with it. But I thought it was really effective for kids. To see how those things interact, because they were, you know, overlapping circles. They were basically Venn diagrams into a circle, and getting the getting the kids to process that, I think, would be really useful. It's very visual. It's very easy to do. You see when your answer's right, um, right away. I thought so. I thought that was really nice. It'd be great working with Promethean board, uh, yeah. types, or a smart board system because it, it lines up perfectly for those response pads. Hey, what should go here? Or, you know, what are the order in which the mm-hmm. numbers should go if we like go around the clock and you do some trial and error. And that's the other thing I liked about it because I'm not necessarily very mathematical, logical. And um, I like the whole uh, guess and check method. Right. And this allowed us to do that. Yeah. Um, so it was really cool. I liked I liked that one. And I'd uh, suggest people check that out. And that is, uh, there's a website, there's a link on the website, but it's nlvm.usu.edu. Um, and I think that'll just take you to close enough where you can then get to where you need where you can be it's it was the um the national library of virtual manipulatives so i would check that out all right we have a new section this week 
Yeah, just some thoughts we had <laughs> kicking around our, our head. I know, because <laughs> Sean said, "What's this?" <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's what I was going to say. It's ironic because Troy came up with the category, but I threw all the stuff in there. <laughs> uh, we're just kicking on some some thoughts this week, and um, it, uh, I, I'm going to go Monday to have a meeting with. Uh, the executive director of the North Carolina Middle School Association, because my district is bringing him in to talk to some of us at, uh, in my district. And um, it just started me thinking, you know, how, how do regional coordinators stay in contact with you? For example, this guy's coming from North Carolina, but, you know, we've got a middle school association here in Michigan. And mm-hmm. um, what made my curriculum director want to go down there to get this guy as opposed to somewhere else, Utah or Florida or South Carolina or whatever? Um and it came came to a point of you know communication and contact. So I was wondering if there are any uh, middle school association members out there, both national and local. Of course, national doesn't have regional coordinators per se. But um, for example, I know Troy's regional coordinator has not gotten contact with him. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, he's, he has, but he has. He's going to work on that this week. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, how many of you out there are members of your state middle school association and? How many are member of another uh, state middle schools association as well? Ch- kind of, you know, cross-feed your information. Because one of the cool things about going, for me, to going to the Ohio Middle School Association is seeing what kind of problems they deal with down there and what mm-hmm. kind of solutions they come up with. Because they operate under a little bit of different rules and setup than we do here in Michigan. And some of those things are pretty cool. We might be able to pull those back here and use them in, in my district. So I was wondering how many have ever... Um, either joined or attended or presented at another state's school, uh, middle school association annual conference. All right, Troy, what'd you do to survive the first day of school? Um, I do lots of, I, I do lots of talking and walking around. I mean, for me, again, because I'm in a different role, I'm checking to make sure teachers have what they need. So I'm walking around, I'm helping kids get to the right place, I'm explaining to kids where room 117 is, where room 110 is, because those are on opposite ends of the building, yep. <laughs> and um, and walking around, making sure teachers have what they need, making sure everything's working the way that it's supposed to be. You know, I fixed more Promethean boards this week than you, you can imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's not supposed to be my job, but... You know, we've spent money to put these things in place, and if the teachers can't use them, they get really frustrated. Right. And then um, some of them, if if they're new into the technology thing, if they go to use it and it doesn't work, it's going to be a long time before they're going to use it again. So mm-hmm. I try to get right in there and say, okay, it's fixed now. Let's go. Let's work. Okay, let's go through this. So we can use this. And so I do a lot of uh, a lot of walking around, a lot of observing, and trying to figure out what it is I have to fix. Because <laughs> that's basically how I spend my whole first week is fixing issues, fixing schedule problems, fixing room problems. You know, just trying to get everything going. So you'd say principals are the middle school mechanics. You uh, go around and fix things. Well, uh, you know, the first week of. Uh, Basically, I mean, my point of view is my job is to make sure teachers can do their job. I mean, that's that's what my job is, is to make sure that teachers can teach. And um, so that first week, that's, you know, explicitly what I'm doing is making sure they have what they need to make sure that they have class lists, make sure that they have, you know, rooms and rooms that function effectively. That's what I'm, what I need, what I, it's what I do. It's uh, the whole. This whole thing is about what kids learn and what kids can learn, and that's my job is to make sure that kids can learn. 
And the only way kids can learn is if teachers can teach. Yep. I think that, 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 that's, that sums it up pretty much right there. Uh, and in that same vein, doing uh, what you uh, doing, getting teachers prepared to do what they do, which is teaching. Um, I did a whole lot of housekeeping things this this week. You know, covering the rules, the uh, my classroom expectations, uh, doing a multiple intelligences survey to find out where my kids are on the uh, MI scale, and you know which class is you know the the dominant trait in each one, and how should I really gear my lessons towards that. Uh, I gave a quiz the first week of school, gave a rules mm-hmm. quiz. No, no kid can say, oh, I didn't know that. Oh, it may be true, but you had a quiz on it and you, you know, you're, you've, been, you've been called to the carpet on it once already. And so you're, you're supposed to know. You're supposed to have studied for the quiz. Uh, you said the MI scale. Uh, and MI I survey, think we should, yeah. we should say, you know, we should point out that's the multiple intelligence survey. I like TLAs. I know. I do too. Letter I, in this case. <laughs> I do too. But, um, yeah. Yeah. And, and there's there's probably a variety of those online too, right? That are Yeah, there, there's a number online, but you know the one I like the best, and I've used several of them, is one by um Kagan, which has uh different logos or icons inside eight boxes, front and back before on a on a on a page, front and back of a page. And the kids don't even have to write anything. They just circle it. I mean, they, they, there's a picture and there's a word. So they really really don't have to be too – you know, one of the, one of the things with the, the whole MI survey stuff sometimes is the kids overthink things. And then they get there and go, oh, I don't know. Which would I put? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Nice thing with this is they can use the words or the pictures to their first reaction. You can get it done. And then you can, then it's really easy to process. You just count circles within it, put a score in the bottom corner, and then you look to see which is the highest one on the page. And that would be a great um, advisory activity and discussion as well, all centered around multiple intelligences and how how you learn and what you learn and all that good stuff. I would also tell you a lot about your team if you did it by team. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and what kind of, well, by advisory and what kind of activities you're going to have to do in advisory. And it might even change. It's it, In some cases, it can be really challenging because if you're a verbal linguistic, but you've got all bodily kinesthetic kids and you you're not used to gearing things in that direction that's that's another challenge in and of itself not not that it's a bad challenge but but the point is is those kids are the ones in front of you whether you know what they are or not just if you know it gives you the potential to meet their needs and be more successful oh yeah yeah rather than well this is the way that i teach and this is the way i've always taught and i think that part is huge is the kids in front of you matter and just saying, well, when I was in school, this is the way I learned it, and it's good. it should be good enough for them. Yeah, well, the world has changed in the last 10, 20, 30 years, and you really need to get the kids where they are. That doesn't mean that you don't address the verbal linguistic skills or you don't work on increasing their verbal linguistic skills, but it means that you got to know where they are to get them where you want them to go. And a purely selfish note, it's going to make your life easier because if Absolutely. you know what, what they, how they learn best, you can address some of those things. They're going to be less likely to complain, less off task, less frustrated. You'll be less frustrated, mm-hmm. uh, but it, it is a little more work on your part. But it's worth it. I mean, it, it, is, it is worth it. That's why, so, that's why they call it work. <laughs> Troy, did you give your staff a multiple intelligences survey? I have in the past. I haven't in a – it's probably been – I'm just thinking I think it's been a little while since we've, we've done that. And it might be something that we need to do as well. How did that change your PD? 
uh, professional development. You know, one of the things that we don't do as good of a job, and I'll, I'll, I'll say this, is that we don't do as good of a job as we should, is uh, our PD, um, we don't differentiate our PD as well as we should. Now, one of the things that I did this last, this last um, um, over the last couple of weeks is one of our PD days, we did exactly that. We, different, we, took, we used PD360, um, which is an online um, professional development modules that the district has purchased. And we took the, we broke the, the staff up into, I took the co-teachers and um, we had the co-teachers working together. We went through some co-teaching models. I gave them a lot of time to talk. I gave them time to try to get together with what their expectations were going to be and how they were going to do that. And then we also took the, the people who weren't co-teaching and we took them down and we said, okay, find something that you're interested in. Find something that's applicable to you that you can then share with the rest of the staff. And the staff really appreciated it because it was a chance for them to not everybody was listening to this thing. But they actually found stuff that was valuable for them. And I think they're much more likely to use the PD360 stuff because they now know how the mechanics of it as well. And they did that in finding something that was valuable to them. So it was kind of a, you know, it's, it's a step in the, in the direction that we want to go. We want to get more of our PD differentiated into what people need and what teachers want to do and, and what's going to be beneficial to them. There's some things that are school-wide, and they're going to have to be school-wide, and that's okay. But we also need to kind of make sure that we're meeting the needs of what the teachers have as well. Dan Pink talks about in his uh, TED Talk that we have in the show notes. Uh, I think we put it last week, but it's going to be in the show notes again this week. Uh, and Daniel Pink, of course, is going to be one of the keynote speakers for the NMSA annual conference this year. But he mm -hmm. talks about in there, there's a business that does the 80-20 rule. 80% of the week is spent working on the business business. And then 20%, which basically is one day a week, is spent working on any individual project that anybody in the company is interested in. The only problem is, no, I shouldn't say problem, the only thing is that at the end of that day, they have to come back to the group and report on what they worked on and what they found out. Mm -hmm. Which is, that would be kind of an interesting PD as well. Hey, go go find, but come back and report and share with the rest of us. First of all, it tells us what your interests are. You might be able to collaborate with somebody else. Did you did you see the story about the graphing calculator this week? No. Quick story, really quick, honest. Okay, not really quick. <laughs> you remember the old Macintoshes with the, well, they still got it, but you know the graphing calculator software? Yeah. Yeah, the two guys that were working on that, um, their project was steved or ended at Apple. And the two guys were so frustrated and, and they, that they said, we got to finish it. Well, their badges still worked and got them into the building where they used to work. So they went in and kept writing code. And somebody came along and figured out what they were doing and got their badges canceled. So they hung around the, around the door outside the building. And, and when the people would go in, they just hold the door for them and let them in. <laughs> so they're not getting paid. They don't work there anymore. And they're writing code. So they keep working, keep working, keep working, and, and somebody started asking questions. They were being very honest about it. You know, they're not getting paid or whatever. And, and there were two guys, and, and whenever they were asked, they would say that they reported to the other guy. That's who they reported to, mm -hmm. working for. Eventually, they got uh, some resources and access to resources, and Apple eventually uh, assigns a, a quality control group to them, to people who don't work for them, <laughs> to a program that was been killed. And they, and they end up working on this thing and, and finally getting it done and, and actually gets into the uh, Golden Master, the first 
um, Mac, uh, Macs that came out, the, the PowerPC Macs, mm-hmm. um, by, written by two guys that didn't work at Apple, but you know wanted to see a project get finished. And, and I think some that goes to show the power of taking ownership of an interest. Right. It, it's that's phenomenal. I don't know how I missed that story too. <laughs> I'll have to find it and put it in the show notes. They tell it way better than I do, so it's well worth it. I'll go find that. I'll go find that when. I'm not playing with that other website you told me about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you've got a couple there. Since <laughs> if I can get that in the show notes, it's a neat story. I wouldn't try. I wouldn't recommend doing it. It probably broke a lot of laws. Trespassing <laughs> for one. <laughs> okay. Um, let's see now. The other thing is that um, I don't even know where we are in the show notes, by the way. <laughs> but what's on our mind? The other thing is I'm reading Mindset right now, which was a book that was suggested. I suggested a while ago. I mean, I have a long list of books that I'm gonna that I that I want to read next, kind of thing. And this one finally rolls up to the top. I grabbed um, Elegant Universe and Mindset, and I finished the Elegant Universe, so I'm currently reading Mindset. Um, I'm also reading um, Never Work Harder Than Your, your Students and Breaking Ranks. Um, and so Mindset, I'm almost done with, and it is a really good book. It's an easy read. And really, it it's by Carol Dweck, um, D-W-E-C-K, and um, um, Debbie Silver talked about her uh, a while ago and brought up some of the things. And it, just to nut and bolt this one, she talks about there's two mindsets. There's the fixed mindset and the growth mindset. And the fixed mindset basically says that intelligence is fixed and people will react certain ways because of that. And the growth mindset says that, you know, I can learn things, I can develop, I can get better at things. And that leads to all different kinds of actions as well. And I think it's a really powerful book. It gets a little repetitious in the middle, but when it gets to the point about parents, teachers, and coaches again, which I think is the sixth or seventh chapter, I think it's the seventh chapter, it gets really powerful again. And it really talks about how we can use this... it talks about how we can use this with kids, um, what we can do with kids, and why it is we should teach kids this stuff. And really it goes back to the whole saying of smart is something you get, not something that you are. Um, and really, really, because um, the show is running, <laughs> either we're doing a two-hour show today or I'm talking real fast. <laughs> um, and I don't think anybody's going to stick around for a two-hour show. So, um the talks about how if kids have a fixed mindset, they won't take any chances because they put their very being in, in, in jeopardy. If they fail, they fail because they weren't smart enough. And if your fixed mindset is you can't get any smarter, then that's it. That's the end of the line. Whereas the growth mindset to fail is, is, is perfectly fine as long as you learn something from it. And you go on. And she talks about how even very young kids will demonstrate either the fixed or the growth mindset. And the kids with growth mindset will take on harder challenges. They'll take on more um, more opportunities. They'll, they'll uh, continue to try different things and, and move through. And the cat just fell off the printer <laughs> and pushed the printer out. Um, 
those of you who don't know, Troy has a very interesting cat. I have to admit, very interesting cat. Um, and she felt behind the printer. <laughs> um, and, and talks about how kids do that and how you can move from a fixed mindset to a growth mindset and how much healthier that is and how many things it opens up to people. So I think it's really, I think it has a very, it's very applicable for middle school kids because if we can teach kids to take chances and learn and grow, I think that's very, very popular. I think it's very powerful for uh, students to develop those habits and to say, okay, I can really get smarter. I just have to work hard because that's one of the things that I think that teachers complain about is that the kids don't work hard enough. And some of that could go right back to the, well, they have a fixed mindset. They don't really realize that it's that work that can lead to them getting success and growing those dendrites. Um, so I think that, I think it's a good book. I think I, I would I would recommend it, um, and it is something that I would definitely check out. And um, I'm almost done with it. i got one more chapter to go, the last chapter to go. It was just a long week. Otherwise, I would have finished it last night. So I would uh, I would check that out. This means I'm going to have my 14th tab open in Firefox now oh. for Amazon for the book, that mindset book. Rookie. Um, <laughs> actually, and, and actually, um, I'm going to have my kids read this. I have two kids who are in high school. I'm going to have my kids read this, um, which we, we frequently share books um, amongst each other. I know one of my kids has a Daniel Pink book too, so I gotta grab that from one of my kids. I don't remember which one has it right now. Um so because I want to read that as well. It's on my reading list as well. But it, um you know if you want to wait long enough, they're they're very quick readers. I'll loan it to you. Um well with that <laughs> <laughs> We have to put off the stories that we have for next week because um, we have some good news stories for you. But um, we're kind of out of time, so we're gonna have to bring this to a close. But we do hope that uh, if you have a news story, you have a um, a book that you'd like to recommend, please drop us a line over at the the website. Stop by the website and post us a post a comment for us. We'd really appreciate it. Um. And until next week, this is Middle School Matters for middle school educators who care. <laughs>